0: Exodus chapter 30, we've looked at the priests and their consecration now. The particular formulations that God has given later on in this chapter for the anointing oil and for the incense. Now, at least two of the ingredients, frankincense and myrrh, were the very ingredients that were brought to along with gold, to the Lord Jesus as a young child when the wise men came from the East. And they had a very special use. And the formula was not to be replicated or duplicated by anyone. God showing that everything he gives is supposed to be pure and exclusive. And he says so at the penalty of death, that no one should copy that formula. It's very revealing and telling when we read these scriptures, how God said certain things. We understand why. And how everything that he gives us, there are rules of how to and when to do what. And the greatest lesson we can learn is to trust God, even when we don't understand and just follow him, obey him. Exodus chapter 30. Then make another altar of acacia wood burning incense make it 18 inches square and 36 inches high with horns at the corners carved from the same piece of wood as the altar itself this was to go inside the tabernacle in the holy place before the veil as we'll read overlay the top sides and horns of the altar with pure gold and run a gold molding around the entire altar make two gold rings and attach them on opposite sides of the altar below the gold molding to hold the carrying poles we recall that the furniture in the whole tent was this tabernacle was supposed to be portable so they have their rings attached to the furniture so they can be carried by the Levites with staves. Make two gold rings and attach them on opposite sides of the altar below the gold molding to hold the carrying poles. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Place the incense altar just outside the inner curtain that shields arrails the Ark of the Covenant in front of the Ark's cover the place of atonement the atonement is the covering it was a temporary covering of the people's sins incidentally the Day of Atonement for the Jews in 2021 is actually today Today is the most solemn day of the whole Jewish calendar. It's biblical observance called Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. And today's that day. This year it falls on September 16th. And uh, it normally falls somewhere between September and October. I believe in the seventh month of the Jewish calendar called Tishri. What I recall, but the eve of Yom Kippur was yesterday, and uh, for some 25 hours is supposed to be observed with it being a Sabbath, but not a day of rest for recreation, a day of rest for reflection, and with fasting and with a great crying out to God. For forgiveness and of course in our discussion we've understood that it's a day in which the people were to watch a high priest and only the high priest go behind this veil that's in front of this altar of incense right in front of the Ark of the Covenant and they would have a procedure to go with blood and uh, the Lord Jesus is our faithful High Priest but as we're reading Exodus although Yom Kippur was instituted and we read more about it in Leviticus we draw near to the meaning of it more and more as we see as we've seen How God gave the priesthood and how it all started and the significance and the highlight of the whole year as far as the nation of Israel, the people of Israel's penitence, penitential prayers to seek God's forgiveness is um, this day of atonement, Yom Kippur. And we continue to read about the altar of incense. Once again it says in verse 6, Place the incense altar just outside the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. In front of the Ark's cover, the place of atonement that covers the tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. I will meet with you there. So in the Ark, you have the two tablets with the commandments the terms of the covenant. This altar was right before the curtain. And if I hadn't mentioned it already, you can see pictures of artists rendering on the internet just uh, multitudes of them. And uh, we need to look at the scriptures and see what things seem to correspond and what things may be an artist's artistic liberty that they take or the imagination which may be good or bad accurate or inaccurate but we need to stick with the scriptures but sometimes it's helpful to have a visual and you can just put the tabernacle on the internet search and uh, it would be advisable to go to Christian websites not just some historical website or some other non-Christian website and then see for yourself the various articles of furniture in the tabernacle and even the courtyard and the whole structure. It was a real physical object with all of these things detailed, and we see that gold plays a prominent role, we've seen that already, gold symbolizing royalty, gold symbolizing the best, these things were supposed to be offered to God, and so the furniture themselves... As we will see later later about the temple, God wanted the gold on it. And um, we ought to bring our very best to the Lord. You see, so many things we can learn with relation to how it applies to us. Are we giving our best to the Lord? It takes uh, us to have a miniature Yom Kippur As believers. To have. A day. An hour. Maybe a week of reflection. To see. How my life is going and. What changes God wants me to make. So that I can give my very best to him. Is there any kind of. Prayer that I offer. Symbolized by this. Incense. On the altar of incense. That. Doesn't have the formula, quote unquote, that God wants. The Lord's Prayer is a formula of sorts, but also we have many, many principles God speaks with regards to prayer, and it's a model prayer. But we can pray all kinds of prayers with supplications, thanksgiving, petitions, intercessions. The question is, am I following the Lord's principles? Am I giving my very best? Am I paying attention to see how God wants me to pray? Am I following God's program, God's formula? He has given everything. Just as we see how He so intricately designed everything, the plan, the blueprint, He very diligently and patiently communicated that so that they couldn't go wrong because if something was wrong with the priest or with the furniture, the construction the way the things are supposed to be offered if something had gone wrong it would mean that people could not come near God they would be alienated it would also mean that uh, people are guilty would be put to death and that's how sacred it is and how Very carefully they needed to pay attention to the details. We have the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ as believers. But still we need to be careful to follow him. Because if we don't we damage ourselves and other people. So we remind each other under the great grace of God. Knowing that God communicates everything. Even the warnings out of a great heart of love. We can remind each other and we can be patient with one another. At the same time, um, caution one another that we need to do the right thing by God. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Place the incense altar just outside the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. We're in Exodus 30, verse 6. In front of the Ark's cover, the place of atonement. It covers the tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. I will meet with you there. Every morning when Aaron maintains the lamps, he must burn fragrant incense on the altar. And each evening when he lights the lamps, he must again burn incense in the Lord's presence. Obviously, as we had mentioned, this is representing the prayer, the continual communion with God. Revelation again, we see the prayers of the saints went up as incense to the Lord. This must be done from generation to generation. Do not offer any unholy incense on this altar, or any burnt offerings, grain offerings, or liquid offerings. Once a year, Aaron must purify the altar by smearing its horns or anointing its horns with blood from the offering made to purify the people from their sin. Once a year. This will be a regular annual event from generation to generation for this is the Lord's most holy altar. This is one of a kind. We had read regarding Abraham, the great patriarch, and Isaac and Jacob that they, they built altars they took stones and they made altars to honor the Lord and sacrifice and worship and commune with God God has taken all of that but now he's made this provision for a tabernacle a central location it was truly the center in the formation of the settlements of Israel the tribes as they were moving forward in the desert. It would be the centre, the little literal center. And this was the altar, the most holy altar of the Lord. It was rather small when you think about the size of the tabernacle itself. God's concerned with the purity and the obedience. When we offer anything to the Lord, it's not the size of it, necessarily. According to human standards, according to human appreciation, but it has to do with doing it the way God wants it done. By obeying Him and trusting that this is what He wants. Someone says... Can salvation be so simple as that? Yes. He has made the way that simple. That whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have to believe that to repent, but cry out to the Lord sincerely, God will come. That's how God is. And a prayer like mine, so small, in the heat of desperation, an utterance so tiny, maybe few words, maybe one sentence, coming from the heart and a heart that trusts God and obeys God when everything seems to be falling apart. Can my prayer be valuable in the sight of God? Yes. If the Lord says, the sparrow's, are valued so much and we're more valuable than them. God takes such good care of them but He says you're more valuable. God says that widow gave the two mites and that was more precious to God than all of the other people's offerings. The value God places on what He gives us and what He wants us to do depends upon what comes from His heart, what is true, what is righteous, what he has given. What he's established. And so we see even with the altar. The offering on it must not be unholy. Neither different. Even though those very things are required elsewhere. Not here. Not on this altar of infants. Don't offer any unholy infants on this altar. Or any burnt offerings. Grain offerings or liquid offerings. God wanted them to do that. Elsewhere not here. And so the job of uh, the under shepherds and people who God calls to lead his people is to understand like Moses got the pattern from God directly, exactly, and then to convey it just like that with no deviation, no add-ons, no subtractions. That's all. And the people have to take it like that. This is exactly what God said to do, and let's follow it. Trust and obey. And Aaron had to purify this altar once a year. And then the Lord said to Moses, Whenever you take a census of the people of Israel, each man who's counted must pay a ransom for himself to the Lord. I'd like someone to read, I'd like the privilege of reading God's word this morning together with us. Exodus chapter 30. You can read from verse 1 to verse 16. Uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 11 to verse
1: 16. Exodus chapter 30, verse 11 to 16. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is twenty giras. The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from twenty years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel, when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. And you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel, and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves."
0: Praise God. So this um, half a shekel, as it's written and described, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, was the same that was required of everyone, regardless of their economic or financial status. Again, we see what God gives. Now, in the case of those who can't offer some of the other offerings and burnt sacrifices, later on we see God makes provision. He says, if, if the people are poor, then the turtle doves can be offered. But in this case, we don't see that. So, we see through the scripture that God doesn't have one uniform way all the time regarding every aspect. But in other situations and concerns, it has to be the same for everybody. Similar to if we would grow up in a family where there's an order and the parents are sensible, certain things are uniform for everyone, but then there are adjustments made depending upon the child's capacity or age with regards to house rules, chores, but certain things are a no-no for everyone, and certain things are a yes-yes, quote-unquote, for everyone. And we can readily understand that, as far as respect and as far as obedience. And so we learn, just like someone would go to school, any grade, whether a small child beginning its education, public education, or a graduate student somewhere, or a postgraduate student. We sit there, when we're in the class, we're not there to impose our feelings and our rules, but we want to tune into what that particular instructor's rules are. Why? Because we're in his class or her class. And whereas she may say, or he may say, this is a requirement for everyone, regardless. In other words, suppose there are rules for um, certain style of writing. Everyone has to meet that standard, whether it's APA or whether it is some other kind of formatting, format. they have to follow it because that's a requirement. That's the standard of the university. But then within that class also, the teacher or the professor or the instructor may say, well, this person is coming from a background that's not so uh, much of what the others have. They're from abroad. And so I will work with them to bring them up to speed on other aspects. Or there can be a project that is has been modified by the instructor to enable the student, even at the elementary school level, to do what? Demonstrate their proficiency in the subject. It may be different than for the rest. So within that, there's that latitude and authority. And so we're able to understand these things in life, but... Often when people come to the Bible, they get very confused over nothing. Because they don't want to respect God or they don't understand that we need to listen to everything God says and adjust ourselves to the Word, not try to make the Word adjust to us. Because His Word is life. So even within these prescriptions, they were simply to follow. With a half shekel as an offering... Serve as a ransom for every soul. You see, 20 years old and above, both the rich and poor, not less than half a shekel. With reference to the fruit of the Spirit. God's Righteous Requirements as we may have read in the Proverbs or elsewhere not too long ago. God says don't pervert justice. Don't twist the law because someone's poor. See, when it has to do with moral or righteous requirements, don't show favoritism either way. Often it's for the rich, but sometimes people can do that for the poor also. And confuse society and give advantages to the poor that are actually detrimental to the people. Whereas other things are helpful for them. So the mindset has to be one of prudence. God is all wise. So everything he shows us is that we need to be able to adjust ourselves and simply trust and obey. Next, we have this bronze laver or wash basin which was outside of the tabernacle. If someone please read verses 17 to 21. Exodus 30, 17 to 21. Exodus 30, verse 17 to
2: 21, NLT version. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze wash basin with a bronze stand. Place it between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and feet there. They must wash with the water whenever they go into the tabernacle To appear before the Lord, and when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord, or they will die. They must always wash their hands and feet, or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be observed from generation to generation, praise God.
0: Praise God. And that washing, of course, is not a regular washing in the sense that the way God sees it and the way He brings it out is that this wash basin or laver of bronze was for the priests to wash their hands and feet. They had to be purified. So they'd be purified by the blood of the sacrifices that makes an atonement but they are also purified by the washing with water they are also anointed all these things are involved in the preparation for the person to come near to God and in other religions we mentioned the other day there are rather strict guidelines whether Islam or Hinduism depending upon How orthodox they are, quote unquote, according to their own belief system. But there are such intricate, meticulous instructions and procedures in Islam. Some would argue that, in the purest form of the religion, they had to hold their arms a certain way when they even washed their hands. They had to have their elbows at a certain angle and do certain things a certain way. Now, this is the living God. Of course, the devil will try to imitate many things, but it will be dead, of course, no life. But the living word, which the enemy will try to counterfeit, has regulations here in the Old Covenant. And they were risking their lives if they didn't wash Before they ministered very clearly showing the purity that was required how strongly God valued that and how dangerous it was for the people to ignore that and so it is in our lives as believers we can say what's the big deal what's the difference it's just water. I don't see it being any special water. It's the regular H2O, H2O. And these are human beings. Yes, they have their they have this office of a priest or high priest, but they're washing something that we all do. We wash our hands and our feet too from the dusty roads that we walk. The ancients could have said. But again, this was something done at a certain time in a certain way for a certain purpose that was far more heavily orientated than anything else that people could imitate. So it was a very, very sacred thing. And it symbolized, as we read in the New Testament, it talks about Water not being able to wash away sins. But this symbolized the washing that needs to happen. If all believers are priests, a kingdom of priests, all Israelite people were called that when they came out from Egypt by God, you're a kingdom of priests. Then all believers... Let's make sure they're pure when they approach God. And someone says, well, isn't that the reason we come to God when we're not pure, so he can make us pure? Yes, but once he makes us pure, we're responsible to stay that way. By his grace, but we have to do our part. We have to leave certain things and embrace certain things. God gives us a a duty, a job to do to stay undefiled, and we have to do it. Now we can't presume to come to God and not have that great searching of heart, as the Bible calls it, to see if there's any wicked thing and make sure we deal with it. We can't come to God pretending. They had to wash. They had to be purified. This was one of the mechanisms of purification that God had set up when they go into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet lest they die and it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout the generations. God says in the New Testament, be holy for I am holy. And he talks about abstaining from fleshly lust that will destroy your soul. Many other things. The more we're open to God, just like a child, a student, an apprentice, open to learning. Coming with a clean slate, as it were, ready to learn. If the desire is there for success, we will succeed. if we have a desire that would translate into working toward that goal with everything we've got. Desire has to be something that would translate to taking action and then giving all diligence to pursue it. Any endeavor in life, we see the people who've made it, the people who were consumed by that particular goal. And so, if you want to be perfect before the Lord and want to please Him, have fellowship with Him, and be like John, lean upon His chest, to hear God's heartbeat, be so close to Him, God says, You can all come. But very few people really want that. What they want is they want to use God. How sad they want to use God for their business, for their relationships. They want to use God because they want a miracle. They want to use God because they want this or that or the other thing to happen. It's a sad kind of relationship. God in His mercy, He does things even then. He's so generous and gracious. But who would ever like to be in a relationship with somebody... Somebody will just come to you to get, 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 get. It's not really a relationship. And so we must come to that point and say, I want to be close to the Lord. That's my primary objective in life. That should be the objective of every single human being because we're made in the image of God for God. All things are made by him, through him, for him. We belong to him. It's right for us to desire God more than anything else and anyone else. It's right for us to be consumed with a passion for him. It's wrong to have any other agenda. To compete with that. And that's where trouble happens. All the time. A believer can go through suffering while they're faithful to the Lord, loving God. But they will always come out on top. That's God's design because He's faithful to the person who will be faithful to Him. And He will make sure that person comes through. No matter how dark it seems, how dismal, how treacherous the road, even in the valley of the shadow of death, God will be there for us. He will bring us through. But not to the one who has other gods and other loves and says to God, God, you have to do this for me. You have to do this for me. And if you don't, I'm going to just go cold on you, God. We can't do that. We have to come to God and treat him as God. He's the almighty God. And he loves us. He's not only all-powerful and all-wise, he's all-loving. We just need to abandon ourselves to Him and how that looks like or what does that look like, this abandoning ourselves, paying careful attention to what He says and do everything He says. The Lord says it's not hard to do. Depends upon the person, doesn't it? The person who goes to school and says, oh, math is hard, English is hard, social studies is just too much, all too much, these dates and figures and wars and i rather read the little funny cartoon on the back of my bubblegum wrapper while I sit in science class. Say that child is quite foolish, does not even know the purpose for which he or she has been brought to school, While other kids are excelling and they're going on to their careers and trades and whatever they learn to have a... Successful life, at least in the eyes of man. These others, because of lack of understanding, motivation, desire, work ethic, and lack of being goal-oriented. Miss out on everything. Especially with the spiritual life and the kingdom of God and things of God. We need to draw near and say, Lord, wash me. Clean me. I don't want to try to justify myself or look good in my own eyes and other people's eyes and slip some stuff under the carpet. Hopefully nobody's looking. That person will never, ever, no matter how much success, quote unquote, they seem to get because they've cut corners and they've been a little bit tricky here and there. They will eat gravel in the end. The Bible says, "Stolen bread is." Appears to be sweet or adventurous. It seems to be uh, smart. You got something that doesn't belong to you, stole it, and you're successful. Now you've got it. But in the end, it'll be like gravel, like grinding rocks in your teeth it'll be very painful and distasteful so we come to God and we receive instructions and we have to encourage one another isn't it beautiful to have a community which is a family of God encouraging one another let's do God's will how beautiful I would rather be part of such a community than any other community They would say, well, God said this, but he really meant this. And that's okay. He understands. You don't have to do this and that and the other thing. Just be a good sport. Be nice to your neighbor. Be loyal to your people. And you'll be fine. Don't get too hard on yourself now. Remember, we're not perfect. That's a treacherous treatment of the treasure that God has given us, which is his voice. His very communication His word to know exactly how to live because His commandments are life. The holy anointing oil, verses 22, and down to verse 33. We will conclude very shortly. Someone please read that. 22 to 33, this holy anointing oil, and after that, the actual composition of the incense, which will close out this chapter 30 of Exodus. So someone can read 22 to 33 of Exodus 30.
1: Verse 22, NKJV version. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, two hundred and fifty shekels of sweet smelling cane five hundred shekels of cassia according to the shekel of the sanctuary and a hint of olive oil and you shall make from these a holy anointing oil an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer it shall be a holy anointing oil with it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the Ark of the Testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, with all its utensils, and the labor and its base. You shall consecrate them, that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, That they may minister to me as priests.
0: Can I actually read to uh,
1: 33? Oh. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oiled to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people.
0: Again, under the penalty of death. there is anyone who tried to imitate this, duplicated it was reserved for anointing certain furniture certain utensils and uh, as well as the high priest the priests so although this is not the incense yet as we will see in the next section still it smelled sweet and it says here, quality spices. God's presence, the beauty of holiness is, we think about sensations, we think about things that smell so good, so sweet, the best perfumes and perhaps colognes we've ever smelled, and just the smell of it, the reactions in our brains, from the smells, and the feeling that we get, the mood, and it's up. Uh, most beautiful the fragrance that God gives that would characterize meeting with him in his presence there have been people in our very church here who have been here or are here now in the meeting including myself who during a time of prayer have smelled sweet fragrance which no human being brought into that atmosphere and looking around where is this this coming from even moving over to see if it's from some human being it's not God's presence in our family we've had that experience a number of times and other people in the church have had that experience they've testified in years past God's presence. There, there's a. It's not just seeing dazzling light and stones, gemstones, and seeing smoke, as Isaiah saw in Isaiah six, and feeling in the body this trembling with rejoicing, and hearing the most beautiful music. We've heard that too. Music that we did not produce with any instrument during the worship heavenly invasion and exposure it's from heaven and uh, it's not just the sights and the sounds there's an aroma there's a fragrance God is beautiful His presence is beautiful. We'll be in our new glorified bodies. Would you not think that we would have the ability to smell? God himself has that ability. How beautiful. It's a picture of that. But also, as the Bible says in the New Testament, no doubt, having these things in mind, the apostle writes by the Holy Spirit, we are the fragrance of Christ. It is a spiritual fragrance. How? By the attributes and the character qualities of God within us. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, we are the most beautiful people in the whole world. God's beauty, His glory, goes with us. And the fragrance of Christ gets spread around. It is true others it'll be the smell of death because they're not worthy. In other words, it'll be a stumbling block. It'll be something offensive and something that is provocative for them to bring up the monster that's within them against the beautiful gospel. But we go spreading this fragrance because of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the incense is something that we would readily expect to be aromatic in the best way. Let's read that. Verse 34 down to the end of the chapter. Verse 38. Someone please read that.
2: Exodus 30. Go ahead, Christian.
3: Then the Lord said to Moses, gather fragrant spices, resin, droplets, molex shells, and galvanum, and mix these fragrant spices with pure frankincense weighed out in equal amounts. Using the usual techniques of the incense maker, blend the spices together and sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy incense. Grind some of the mixture into a very fine powder and put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant, where I will meet you with What? Well, pardon me, where I will meet with you in the tabernacle. You must treat this instance as holy. Never use this formula to make this instance for yourself. It is reserved for the Lord and you must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes Instance like this for personal use will be cut off from the community
0: amen amen all of these particular ingredients when you look at the original hebrew they're they're all aromatic What we see in the king james it says stacked or stacked tea and anica and galbanum these particular ingredients some of them resin From the tree bark, when they cut the tree bark, make an incision, you have that uh, gum. And uh, you put these things together, and imagine the combination of fragrance. The aroma, the odor that comes, very strong, beautiful. Not only the anointing oil but now the very incense that they're going to offer on that altar of incense that we read about. And the Lord says how to make it, combine it, blend it, grind it, and put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant where I will meet with you in the tabernacle. You must treat this incense as most holy. Never use this formula to make this incense for yourselves. Now, we see a a visual here, a depiction of the term holy or sacred, set apart, sanctified for special use. And they're not to copy this formula because it's for it's reserved for an exclusive use. That's how we are in this world. We are reserved Married to Christ. We're married to Christ. We don't belong to anyone else. Any other thing, idea, drive in this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those things are foreign to us. We have nothing to do with them. We belong to Christ. We are espoused as chaste virgins, as the apostle says, to Christ. We've been been purified. We were polluted before. We were polluted We were no good for anything because of sin. It stains everything, destroys everything. Even if we can have those bright pearly whites and make ourselves look good on the outside, we're rotten on the inside. That's the truth. Apart from God's grace, when we look at the human state in the ultimate sense, people can be nice, they can do good things. We have a shattered image, visage on the inside of God because we're made in His image, but it's not a perfection of beauty that God alone can give when we are reconciled to God, which, by the way, is the New Testament use of the word atonement. It means to be reconciled. We are brought near to God. This whole treatment of the tabernacle, the furniture, the priesthood, the apothecary of this Formula of making incense and anointing oil, all of it has to do with drawing near to God. God says, you've got to be washed and purified. I can change you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I, God says, I can change you. No matter how bad you've been and how bad you have treated others, no matter how bad you feel about yourself. It's not that we pat ourselves on the back and look for moral support from other people who are also messing up. But we can come to God with our guilty feelings, with our estrangement from Him, alienation from Him, and say, Lord, will you have mercy on me? And He will. And He cleanses us. And He takes us, yes, that phrase that we've heard before from the gutter most from the lowest to the uttermost to the highest from uh, being nobodies with reference to eternal life the city of the living God, the family of God have been brought to sit with him and with his princess. That's what God has done for us. We can draw near with full assurance. Why? Because we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been washed by water in baptism in a total covenant to God. No competition, not setting our foot anywhere. ...other than the true house of God... ...not fellowshipping with other people... ...who claim to fellowship with God... ...who are not even born again... ...the Bible says in the New Testament... ...what have we to do with idols... ...we have nothing to do with that... ...anything that is contrary to the faith that God says in the Bible... ...being born again people... ...truly born of the Spirit by the blood of Jesus... In following not man's tradition. But God's word. Those are the people that we need to be with. Period. It can't be in both worlds. Heaven. And anti-heaven. Which is false religion. In this world. But when we have all of this preparation. By virtue of the Lord Jesus. He did it all. He did it all. He came looking for us when we're ungodly and He cleaned us up to make us His bride. The church. A holy, pure relationship where we're one with Him. Human marriage, earthly marriage as a type to show the intimacy in a spiritual way, in a pure way, not in a carnal way. That oneness that is inseparable. It's for life in eternity. All of this that we've been reading is to show the Israelites how you can draw near. And how God has set up people to stand between him and the common people. These priests. They themselves had to be washed and purified. Otherwise they could die too. That's how dangerous it was. Our God really, truly is a consuming fire. His nature is not to go burn up everybody. His nature is holiness, and that holiness will burn up anything that's unholy because it's not of Him. It's evil. So God takes care of the evil in His great heart. He doesn't have to. He can say, well, you're all evil. Goodbye. He takes great pains to show them how to approach Him everything had a meaning everything would open their eyes more and more and more and more to see how we ought to live God is holy and it's a privilege that we can live holy and he's shown us exactly how there's no guesswork here no one had to guess anything over here on how to approach God he never hit something and said well too too bad you trespassed over here even though there are no signs now you're in jail no God is very very clear is very fair. And beyond that, is mercy. Comes through, even when we're guilty. Hallelujah. We can be forgiven. But we ought to read this, as we conclude, with that connection to what we have in Christ, and treat it very sacred, and encourage one another to be holy people, to conform to the way Jesus would live and talk. And think and act. Because he's living inside of us. Why should we think to be any different? doesn't make any sense. If he's living on the inside of us. If it is Christ that lives. No longer I. That's what should be manifested. And if we encourage each other. In that way. In a holy way. Which is foreign to most of the church communities today. Then perhaps we'll be more diligent. When we read the word of God. And we can be open to God's spirit working in this all the more. We'll be amazed how much we can grow spiritually when we hear the truth and we fellowship with people who love the truth because of God's love. And who know God's power and His instructions are not only valuable to do it right and get success, but to live and not die and to live the abundant life we have the fragrance of Christ we've been anointed in this sense that He Himself has placed His Holy Spirit to live within us and to fellowship with Him to the point where the Spirit of God that lives within within the believer who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit is communing with the living God with utterances that we can't even understand that oneness is absolutely unique and exclusive to the person who truly belongs to Jesus Christ that kind of oneness with the living God We've been washed by His blood, anointed by with His Holy Spirit. We've been purified with the washing of regeneration, with the washing of the water of the Word. In baptism, with the covenant with God, we have been given the fragrance, this aroma, that comes from the fruit of the Spirit. We think about fruit, and we think about aroma also, in addition to taste. We have everything in Christ it's no wonder it says in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily in Colossians and you are complete in him hallelujah thank you Lord for your truth thank you Lord for the victory thank you Lord for your mercy we come to the mercy seat in the name of your beloved son Jesus forgive us Lord, cleanse us straighten us out Help us, Lord, to have a glorious day today. Oh, Lord, my God, go before each one of your children. Make all the crooked paths straight. Strengthen our arms to do. Your will, Lord, our feet to walk where you want us to walk, the way you want. Lord, I pray that you minister healing, Lord, to those of us who need healing, Lord. Jesus, have mercy. Reverse everything that's against us. God before us, who can be against us? Thank you, Lord all the provision you've made so that we can enjoy your fellowship forever. In Jesus' name we thank you, Lord. Amen.